0: As far as the on the road challenges go, I mean, it's it's the logistics of it. You know, you can you can be doing a really hard thing and then not have any electricity. And of course, the days you're working long hours is the days you're over discharging your batteries in your airstream. and you know those are the days you have those problems.
1: A few months ago, I got a little idea. It seemed a bit absurd at first. but finally, I was able to give it a voice. I said to Sean, what if we spent a month in Montana this summer? I think his response was something like, well, wouldn't that be nice? And a response like that is all I need to start the actual process of scheming something into reality. I thought to myself, yes, it would be nice. And here is my nine part plan for making it happen. (laughs) Now, in order to spend a month on the road, I knew we'd need to keep working. I'd have some masterminds to facilitate, emails to write, and podcast episodes to share, and Sean had work to do too. Once I determined the things I'd have to keep doing throughout the summer, I could look at what I could get done well in advance. Little by little, I worked my way through the checklist so that I could work a maximum of three to four hours a day, four days per week, and stay on track while we were gone. We leave July 18th. It'll take six days to drive out so that we can stop at a bunch of national parks and get junior ranger badges with my daughter. We'll be in the Flathead Valley for just over two weeks, and then we'll take our time coming home. It's not exactly a month in Montana, but it is a month outside the comfort of my home office. You're listening to What Works, the show that brings you candid conversations about what's really working to run and grow small businesses today without the hype or gimmicks. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. My guest today hasn't just figured out how to run her company from the road for a week or a month at a time. She and her husband travel permanently. But here's the kicker. They only work with people who do the same. Kate Lisi is the co-founder of Kinetics Consulting, which helps electric and gas utilities create a culture of safety and preparedness. Kate and I talk about how she made the move to full-time travel and how it impacted the way she approaches her life and work. We also discuss the logistics of working from the road, how she finds team members, the systems they use to manage projects, and how the way their team is built actually helps them stand out. Now, let's find out what works for Kate Lisi. Kate Lisi, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation um, and just really finding out more about how you manage your company. Mm -hmm. So let's set the stage here. Can you tell me about the day you decided to start a business and run it from the road? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So those two things were not a simultaneous event by any means. Um, Interestingly, I had decided to start traveling a little bit more. My husband and I were both working remotely for other um, companies. I was working for a very established company. I was running their utility consulting practice and, decided to buy this vintage Airstream and we thought we could get away with like doing a week here or there without telling anybody and without getting caught. (laughs) So (laughs) we actually decided to do that and after three weeks of that, we're like, why don't we sell our house? And we sold our house and very quickly after that, there was a large shakeup in the company I was in And it made it very obvious that we were already on the right trajectory in terms of where kind of our life was headed and the things that we wanted to prioritize. And so it became very easy to quit my job that day when something came up. And so that actually is how it started. It was more that we had created some space and some freedom. And then it seemed like a very obvious thing to do when some things uh, got shaken up at work. So I put in my notice and started the company, um, you know, the next day, essentially. Uh, that's amazing.
1: And it sounds like your timeframe was pretty quick. Or was that just the way you <laughs> told your story? How long from kind of um, getting the vintage Airstream to actually starting the company?
0: Yes. Yeah, so um, we bought the Airstream in April. We renovated it over about six weeks. We had our first shakedown in May, which was actually a shakedown kind of cruise where we decided to sell our primary residence. Um, and so we had a house before that, that was just kind of an accidental landlord situation where I'd had a house for 10 years, sold it, bought the Airstream kind of lightening the load. Cause just, I was really busy with work and other things. And, uh, so I bought the Airstream after selling the first place, did three weeks in the Airstream decided to sell the house. So that we actually put the Airstream away for a little while to focus on fixing up our house, getting that all ready to sell. And, Uh, long story short, we had an all cash offer to be out of our house in a very short amount of time. It was barely over a week. And so we actually sold our house fully furnished, (laughs) pulled the Airstream up in front of it, put a couple things into it, put a few other things in my mom's, you know, SUV, some things in my husband's mom's SUV, you know, one pile to Goodwill or donations and then one pile to family storage. And then we just walked away. (laughs) It was just walked out of it. So that happened actually August first. We listed our house in July. And by September fifteenth, I think, or seventeenth, uh it could quit my job. (laughs) So it was about six weeks after
1: we got on the road. That is absolutely (laughs) incredible. Okay. So you sound like a very decisive person. (laughs) That timeline (laughs) sounds very decisive in and of itself. Did you have any, not regrets or even second thoughts, but tell me about sort of like your mindset or emotional state Mm -hmm. in this period of time?
0: Yeah, so I guess I will give a lot of credit where it is due. And my sister and I actually originally founded Kinetics Together. Um, and my sister is 100% an entrepreneur, whether she's working for a big corporation or on her own. And she is just the the kind of person that's always like, we got to do something, we got to do something, we got to do something. Like, let's, let's build things, let's start things. I have always seen myself as very much... The corporate ladder climber, I thrive on having big teams and lots of resources at my disposal and making sure that things are all really working together well from a systems perspective. So, I previously was at a company with 7,000 employees um, and about over 10,000 folks when you include all the regular contractors, that sort of thing. I love big organizations and so being a business owner or someone starting from the you know day 1 when it's one person or two people like was never actually appealing to me at all. <laughs> and I probably wouldn't have jumped ship had it not been for my sister saying, "Hey, between the two of us like let's take over the world. Let's go do this thing." And so um so she and I had been talking about like, maybe we should, uh, maybe we should run a company together, you know, just something that we should be doing. And we actually do a lot of things. We do a lot of speaking engagements and other things together, did a TEDx talk together, you know, those kinds of things. And so she was like, say the word, let's go. And, uh, and I really think that helped push me out the door. Um, because I was riding a lot on her enthusiasm and just absolute Go get her attitude, like she's ready to always, you know, kill it, drag it home, and eat it. (laughs) So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, absolutely. um, I I, yeah, I I think I was really riding off of off of that wave from her, and like I said, also it personally, my husband and I had already created the space around the kind of life we wanted, you know, it felt very easy, you know, when you don't have a mortgage, you don't have a car payment, you um, have more flexibility in your day and how to design what your what you, every day looks like, then you have a lot of, of flexibility, like I very strongly believe you have, you, everyone has time for the first thing they do every day. And we're very intentional about that. Uh, and so once it came up, you know, do I want to be working for someone else every day? Not necessarily. No. (laughs) So
1: that uh, became very obvious. Awesome. I'm also curious about the home piece. Like I wanted, Mm -hmm. obviously, I want to get to the business piece here really shortly. But, um, you know, they they talk about moving as being one of those life events that creates as much <laughs> stress as having a baby or getting married or even a death mm-hmm. in the family. And so to start mm-hmm. a business and to give up your your house and move into an airstream at the same time seems like um, there could potentially yeah. be a lot of up, you know <laughs> emotional upheaval just from on the home front yeah. too. Did you experience yeah. that?
0: Um, well, first of all, like, who your partner is, is insanely important. I can't stress that enough. I mean, you know, in a former life, I just think back, you know, over the course of the last 10 years, and, you know, who you're doing life with matters so incredibly much. I mean, obviously, people should all think that about their spouses, but um, we have an incredibly good partnership. And so, yes, there has to be a lot of awareness around what the real problem is, and I think we're both very good at doing that. Um, and in my background, I'm a professional emergency manager um, kind of by training. and so that's really what I do is I take a lot of chaos and work out the logistics and figure out how to solve problems in stressful situations. So i I tend to operate at my peak when things are stressful. <laughs> that's just really my default. like add a little stress, you know, nothing nothing makes me more productive than the last minute or if something's on fire. So like, that's my, um, my best default, but at the same time, you know, being cognizant of another person and living in 31 feet, you know, our, our Airstream is like less than 200 square feet total. Um, So, and when we renovated, we took all the walls out. It's like a studio and a bathroom. (laughs) So Uh, we have to be very aware of kind of like, what is the agitation at any given moment. And I'll be perfectly honest with like life changes even today and a huge project we're getting out the door today for a $10 billion company. There's a lot of stress going on. And at some point, you know, my husband will say, Hey, this is why we're stressed and let's restart our day. And you just have to physically make that change in the attitude and direction of your day or you will lose the whole day and you don't have time for that. So um, it, it instead of instead of kind of like letting either things fester or gradually cool off or whatever it is, we very intentionally say out loud, you know, that was this and let's start our day over um, because otherwise I don't think there's any way we could handle the amount of change that we uh, manage in addition to The amount of things we manage in the company. Um, And I mean, on average, like we just hit our 200th place (laughs) that we've lived in the Airstream, which is pretty crazy. Uh, And so on average, we move every three to four days. And so that is a lot of decision making. Um, And there's definitely something real about decision making fatigue. And the challenge with working from the road is that you can't decide to stop moving. Um, and so that's the that's the biggest thing we bump up against is there certain days, you know, we're tired, we need to focus on the business, we need to put in a few really long days. And you might be up against a stay limit, at a campground or on public land or whatever it is. And so you physically don't have time to move. And yet you can't stop moving. And that is definitely something that will wear on you if you're not intentional.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um All right, let's start to dig into the business side of things Mm -hmm. a little bit. I'm curious if there were any surprises or sort of unexpected on the road challenges as you started (laughs) to build the company.
0: Yeah. As far as the on the road challenges go, I mean it's it's the logistics of it. You know, you can you can be doing a really hard thing and then not have any electricity. And then, you know, that's a problem. So um and of course, the days you're working long hours is the days you're over discharging your batteries in your airstream. And, you know, those are the days you have those problems. So yes, there's absolutely been days. I mean, even somewhat recently, I can think of where we, you know, went to a campgrounds because I was flying out of the airport in San Diego, and we were not plugged in because there were no um, sites of electricity because we don't have you know we don't make reservations ahead of time because we never know we're going to have to fly with clients and so in addition to not knowing your departure airport and trying to arrange a lot of work travel <laughs> we also find ourselves having to you know go towards cities where you can get to a big enough airport to get a reasonable flight and if you don't have electricity then you know w- we probably put in a 16 hour day that day and then wake up super early to finish the thing and look at it with fresh eyes and send it out. And you wake up to dead batteries four <laughs> thirty in the morning. And so, you know, not being able to plug a laptop in when it's four thirty in the morning. And the last thing you want to do is like, go find a coffee shop that's not open. You know, that, that's a huge hurdle. Right. So, um, you know, at, at that hour you can't turn a generator on because there's, there's noise, Um, requirements at campgrounds that you can't run generators till 8 a.m. So, you know, find myself in the truck office down at a parking lot looking at the ocean somewhere and the truck is generating enough power to, you know, get the thing out the door. And that happens more often than not. Um, And it's just trade-offs. You know, you just have to choose the life you want. And that's one of the pieces where these things are definitely hard. They're definitely time consuming. The big benefit is it doesn't take four hours to get from closing the laptop to the mountains or, you know, where you really want to be. So we kind of have to chalk that up a lot of times to, yes, this was way harder than it should have been. And also it's way easier (laughs) to get to some of the fun things that we like to do once we're not working. And that really balances itself out and more good than bad.
1: Yeah, I I love that. Actually, when this episode is airing, uh, my husband and I will be in Montana and we'll be working mm-hmm. through a not a vacation, but working through a road trip for the very same reason. It's like that's where we nice. want to be in the summer. Yeah. And yeah, it sucks to be uh, you know, it, or it's gonna be difficult to kind of make it work, even though we can stay at my in-laws and, and things like mm-hmm. that. But at the same time, and we're only 45 minutes from Glacier National Park and we can yeah. do all the things that we want to do. And it's totally worth that little bit of a trade-off mm-hmm. to work a couple hours in the morning under I- un- less than ideal uh, uh, situation or circumstances. You'll hear more about Keith's team and how she manages other full-time travelers in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partner. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. It's time to simplify your business and your life creating content building a movement and leading a community is hard work but it doesn't have to mean hassling with a host of software services social media platforms and customer management systems mighty networks is the simple way to bring people together deliver high quality content and spread your message all while making your business easier to run too Mighty Networks combines key functions like building a community, online course management, content creation, networking, events, and even payment processing so that you have an all-in-one platform for running your business. We use Mighty Networks to power the What Works Network. We offer behind-the-scenes look at podcast interviews, host members-only events, help members network with each other, facilitate ongoing conversations about important topics, and collect membership fees. It's so much simpler than the collection of apps we've cobbled together before. Plus, our members love managing their benefits and membership all in one place, too start simplifying your life and business with Mighty Networks. Get started free of charge by going to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com. Now, I hope you're loving On the Road Month here at What Works. We're diving into how small business owners build flexibility, efficiency, and time off into their businesses so that they can enjoy life and travel. Next month, We're exploring confidence. We've got something special up our sleeve so we can really give this topic its due. Throughout August, we'll be sharing stories from small business owners every single weekday. They'll be sharing how they develop the confidence to level up and take the next step. We'll be exploring questions like, what happens when the next step in your plan requires you to show up in a whole new way and do things differently? What happens when the call to level up becomes louder than the call to stay safe? What happens when excitement dissolves into panic? How do you move forward? It's candid community conversation about the ways that confidence or lack thereof impacts us as entrepreneurs and how we can take the next step in spite of fear or insecurity. We're featuring eight podcast episodes throughout the month on this topic, plus written essays and videos from other contributors. To subscribe to the project so you don't miss a single story, go to explorewhatworks.com slash confidence. That's explorewhatworks.com slash confidence. All right. So one of the things that I really wanted uh, to get into with you is your team and how you work with mm-hmm. the people that you work with. Mm-hmm. So give us kind of a rundown on the kinds of people that you have on your team, the kinds of roles that they're in.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So that's been probably the best surprise I think of of starting this company. So. In a former life I was I was working in a large emergency management consulting firm and I have always been responsible for putting teams together based on the specific needs of certain projects and then when I was the emergency manager at a major utility you know a lot of my job is putting together teams to manage that specific emergency or scenario or um, putting departments together so I really um love team building I love meeting as many people as I can and making mental notes about their skill sets and then putting all those skill sets together in the right combinations and so that has been the best thing because here I went into entrepreneurship thinking it was going to be this like lonely (laughs) it's just me there's nobody else to do the things or you know the couple partners that are in the in the business with me um which is family, right? Mm-hmm. family members. And so I thought that was going to be it. And I've been so incredibly thrilled with the teams that we've been able to have, even as a small company and the caliber of people that we get to work with on a regular basis. And what's been wonderful is that both we've started working with other people that are working from the road. Um, and it's just incredible. I mean, the one of the women that we're working with Um, And she does a lot of our project management been working for almost two years now. I mean, we literally met her on some public lands in California, (laughs) randomly, um, when her partner says, Hey, you kind of do the same thing, like you should work with my wife. And so you know eventually we exchange resumes and she has exactly the skill sets that we need um you know and so it, it's kind of amazing like she's got you know masters in engineering management in oh, the energy sector and so you know like very specific skills um and that was a random instance but there've been also so many other instances when we have found these other people. And so now we're very intentionally trying to leverage that. Whereas we are never going to compete on the stability and 401k and pension even that utilities provide. Um, What we can trade-on is flexibility and and being accommodating to whatever life people want to live for themselves. And that's what we try to do. We try to say, hey, how many hours a month do you want to work? And what types of projects do you want to work on? And what types of things do you not want to do? And if there's things you don't want to do, we'll pair you with a technical writer or we'll pair you with a graphic designer. We'll pair you with um, whatever other uh, planners or skill sets that we need in order To ideally, you know, my perfect world as the company grows is that everybody feels very satisfied in their work, and that they feel very supported by having the things that they don't feel that they excel at being done by someone else that they trust. You know, and that's that's our our recipe for scale and and growth for sure. And we work with an amazing amazing group of people to do that. So I consider everyone our team, although. You know, we're not focused on the employee model because I don't know if it's going to always exist in the way it does <laughs> right now. You know, the forty-hour work week is, uh, first of all, probably a myth for most people, and second of all, not what I think a lot of high performers want. And that's who we want. We want them to tell us what what they're interested in, um, and be able to meet them wherever they're at. And Melissa that I mentioned. She's in, I think, Thailand right now. I don't know. She's been traveling over overseas for a couple of months. Um, and a uh, copy editor we use is in London. We have other people just all over the place um, because they're doing what they need to do. And then we cover a 24-hour clock pretty well and we manage to that, which actually makes us more nimble and flexible and responsive to our clients. That's amazing.
1: Okay, so you mentioned that you're not focused on the employee model, and that was actually one of my questions. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your balance between employees and contractors?
0: We're almost all independent contractors where that's possible. <laughs> and I will. Uh, my husband's an attorney, so I'll be careful about about that. But at the same time. Um, our goal is for people to, you know, if they are running their own business, obviously they're a subcontractor not an independent contractor, but, but the full time we give you a salary, you give us 40 hours a week doesn't work for us or isn't the goal of the people that want to work with us. (laughs) And so we, we don't have anybody on that model at all. Um, In terms of like full time
1: employee, like you would traditionally. Got it. And about how many contractors do you have working with you on a regular basis?
0: So on a regular basis, um, we work with a couple other small businesses, actually, where there are one or two people, but they do work with us on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. And then we have, depending on the team, so we bid out our work on a project basis, and a lot of those projects could be six months, could be three, could be 12 months. Um, those teams will be about seven people each. So it really depends on the project, but every project has two to seven people on it, more like three more like three to seven people on it. Um, and so we we change like our entire makeup of who we'd consider our team like whenever another six month contract gets signed. Um, and some of those people will be like eight hours a month and some of those people will be like 20 hours a week. So we have to actually manage to that. And one of the things that we focus on is like how do we do resource allocation? And instead of saying like, how many hours does this person have out of 40 they project out for us and say how many hours do they want to work um, per week over the next four weeks. And then we manage workloads. OK, wow.
1: let's talk more about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so It's a little complicated, but it, it honestly like all works out because everyone's just very transparent about how it's working for them. And I'm, I like to think I'm very intentional about checking in with how yes. it's working.
1: You know, for, so, for what are everybody. the kinds of systems that you use to be able to do that? To like facilitate that transparency and to facilitate that kind of yeah. resource management?
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's about people um, because I think you can get really you can get really muddled in systems, and if you don't have a good understanding of what you're actually trying to accomplish at a, at a human level, then you can design a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense. So for me it's more trying to get a pulse on are they working too much are they working too little are they feeling underutilized are they feeling like they're not using their skill sets and i will perfectly admit like i think we could even we could leverage some of our people more and have them more engaged you know that is a challenge because i also have to check myself on that because they're not a full-time employee and so like my default is like how do i keep employees happy but it's it's so different when you're not in a big corporation um So, that said, like it is a little bit of just like checking in. Like, do you feel like you're getting enough hours or not enough hours and that sort of thing? And I think people are pretty receptive to that. And for those types of things, like we use like WhatsApp, you know, where we'll have a team conversation or we'll have individual one on one threads going so that people can just check in quickly, leave voice memos, you know, go back and forth. Um, But in addition to that, we use Asana for project management. And honestly, we've been through a lot of different timekeeping and tracking systems in the last two years. We've been changing things up, and we're going to try one more again. (laughs) So right now, the hours estimates and things are in Asana, but we um, use Instagant as an add-on for Melissa to extract hours, and that's been a little clunky. Um, And so we're looking at another tool right now, but I really honestly think, like because I've been putting teams together for so long and putting proposals together so long where I actually budget how many hours each task will take, I get a pretty good sense of that. And then when we actually manage, we're not that big of sticklers on it, but we end up being pretty darn close to those numbers at the end of the day. Um, so I really do think it's like, it's more about reading the people that the, the systems do validate what we're seeing, but people are quicker to, you know, tell you they're
1: overworked or underworked too um, if you Yeah, check I really love that human level approach and it's not what I was expecting you to say and I'm so <laughs> glad that you did. Um, are you the one that's kind of um, leading and managing that checking in, communication, taking the temperature of everybody process?
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, is, and th- absolutely. it sounds like that's
1: sort of, that's your wheelhouse. That's something you really love.
0: Yeah, Yeah. And I try to take it on myself to do that, even with people who aren't on projects Mm. right now, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to um, keep a track of like our whole network of people who I could put on a project tomorrow, because if we get a request for a proposal from a client, we might need to put a team of seven for the next three to six months together in the next 10 business days. (laughs) So, you know, I need to keep up with like, with people just to see how they're doing and like what, what they're up to and how their workload is so that if I need to call so and so and say, Hey, any chance you have 10 extra hours for me a week from here to June, like I need to kind of keep track of that. So even though we're small, um, you know, from a team perspective, any given day, I'm also tr- always trying to keep kind of decent tabs on like who they're really, you know, good rock stars are in our space that we would want to bring in any given time. And that's where, um, like we're competing with the big boys on a lot of these things, you know, the companies that are our direct competition are major government contractors and, and really large established businesses, but we can be more nimble than them (laughs) because, um, we don't have this baseload of, um, of salaries that we're trying to maintain and our people like the flexibility. Cause sometimes they're like, you know what? I don't want to take an extra project over the summer. I want to work a little less now. And later on, they'll be like, no, I'm ready to dig back in. So I try to do that both with our current teams on projects. And then also with just the network of people that we might work with in the future or the short like term. And
1: how much of your day does that kind of communication process take up?
0: Um, I mean, I really try to be on like a, like a, you know, first name basis with a lot of folks. So it's not I don't think it's that much of a day. I mean, it might seem like it. I'm, I am constantly like texting WhatsApp (laughs) messaging or whatnot, you know, somebody uh, like, how's your job going? Or how's this going? Or how's that project going? And uh, there's just a lot of moving around you know, but I just, I don't feel like that takes any time. And it's fun for me. I mean, these, the people that we're talking about are people I enjoy working with. Um, absolutely. And so I was, I was in Boston yesterday. I had to think about that for a second. And, um, and you know, at the airport, somebody texts and said, Hey, do you have a time for a call? And I check in with them and kind of get a pulse on, on how things are going with them. Sounds like they want to, um, want to be more involved on, on something in the future. So, you know, it's, I think it's fun. Like it's it's more social, I guess, than anything. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about everyone's skill sets. But but we definitely, you know, I don't think people are like a means to an end. You know, I like to just keep track of people to keep track of people. Um, and and I I genuinely enjoy everyone we work with. We don't work with people we don't like working with. Like that's a rule for me. You know, uh, in my former life putting together teams, there were people who you know supposedly were great and had wonderful skill sets and, costs $300 an hour. And yet no one wanted to be around them. (laughs) So I'm like, now that I have complete control over this, like if the rest of the team thinks you're a jerk, you're not on our team. Like that's just not how it works. So I really, I really genuinely enjoy spending
1: time with the people that we, that's incredible. Uh, you mentioned a a little bit ago that you are able to cover kind of a 24 hour clock in terms of your Mm -hmm. team. Can you, Tell us a little bit more about, I guess, how that works or why that is beneficial (laughs) to you as a company. Oh, yeah. It's
0: hugely beneficial. I mean, we are so much faster
1: than everybody else in our
0: space. And mostly because our space is not the most progressive industry, you know. Utilities are amazing at what they do, and they are also incredible at getting the power back on. I mean, you think about what they rebuild in 24 hours to get the lights back on within 48. It's incredible what they do. Um, that said, <laughs> from a technology and and early adoption perspective, they're not they're not necessarily always known for that. Although I think that they're making huge huge. Um, strides right now from a digital transformation kind of perspective, which is exciting to see. Um, but that said, between utilities and government contractors and others, it's it's never been you know who can be the most nimble, and so we have clients that have flat out said. Like no one else could get this done in that amount of time. Um, And, and that we really pride ourselves on that. Not that I want to work everybody to death. And that is not what we do. It's just how do we split up the work in order to make that happen? And we work when we're working and we don't when we're, when we don't, you know, so when you're off, it's not like you have to slog into the office at, you know, 8am if there isn't something going on. So we're very intentional about that, especially like with my own time, I don't want to be doing it. Um, you know, if, if it's Wednesday morning and I go to look at a boat like I did this morning, I'm going to, but I also, you know, got up at 5am in Boston and got home at 1am last night. So, uh, we work when we're working and because of the time zones that we're on, um, you know, I will ask, like, I'll ask Melissa, you know, can you look at this when I go to bed because it's her daytime and send it back to me before I wake up and she'll say, sure, or I'll write, three different copy editors at the same time, I'll text them all and say, Hey, anyone have a chance to pick up this thing? And they don't, hopefully don't feel too pressured to say yes, because they know there's redundancy there. And so whoever can pick it up and has the time right now or in the next 48 hours to do it, will say, sure, I'll take those hours and go run with it and then bring it back. So I try to build in, you know, as much as we can, some redundancy and skill sets so that no one person is like having to take the ball in order for us to achieve that really productive like what we can get done in a week or a month um and it definitely pays off i mean we got asked to do a workshop in the virgin islands after they got hit with the hurricanes last year um that was like a charting the path forward for all these major organizations department of energy and fema and uh, American Public Power Association, the utility companies, utility contractors, local government, et cetera, or t- a territorial government. Um, and we got that entire workshop planned, facilitated, executed, all the different speakers, as well as producing our own content and training um, and setting up workshops sessions in 22 business days. Oh, my God. Um, and nobody else was going to be able to pull that off in my opinion and it went off great and you know we can we can do that because of the way that we're I structured i
1: love that it reminds me a lot about uh, a friend's company she the company is based in new zealand she lives most of the time if not uh, definitely more than half of the year in california and they do a similar kind of handoff mm-hmm. situation she's ending her day they're starting hers and they can really move yeah. quickly that way
0: Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. awesome.
1: So it really sounds like the style of team building and management is sort of in your blood. Like this is this is how mm-hmm. you approach, um, you know, thinking through the people that you need and the the way you're going to treat them and the way they're going to give back to the company. Um, but I'm curious if you have found your management style or your leadership style evolve and change since you started the company, and if so, how.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I definitely have to think about it differently. um, Because that that is my natural style in, you know, if I'm running a department or building a team at an organization, which is what I've done in my former life, um, when I was the emergency manager at a large utility. That said, it's so hard for me to not do all of those things, you know, like I want to be investing in developing my team to whatever their potential is so that we can all move forward together. That's a little bit, not entirely, but a little bit in conflict with what, how we're structured now, which makes us nimble and very effective Mm -hmm. is that, um, you know, it, it's just not the same kind of environment. But I also think I, I'll say that qualify that it's not the same kind of environment. Um, because of the facts that I think the whole industry is changing, right? Like nobody stays at one company for 30 years anymore. So it's not that we think people are, um, you know, are not worth investing in. It's just that, People's long term goals might be different now, especially when you're talking about somebody who lives on the road now and they might want to move to a house later, or they might move it, you know, live in a house now and then want to travel the country for six months and then come back and start working again, or whatever it is. Um, Those things are different. And so I do have to figure out how that fits into what my natural tendency is for team building, right? Cause it's so different. But at the same time, I think everyone still wants to feel very connected. So I don't want to not, I, I will still continue to treat all of our contractors as our team, as long as they're our team, you know? Um, but it is challenging when you are putting people together like that, because essentially you're paying them for their hours as opposed to Um, paying them for all of their productive energy, right, (laughs) as a salaried employee. And so that's super challenging for me um, because to get the best and the brightest, we are, are one, marketing on flexibility and you do what you're good at every day and hopefully none of the other stuff. You know, I'll I'll handle that. Like you you hate our you hate timekeeping or, you know, technical writing or whatever, and you just want to like throw 30 slides together to give us the highlights of what will eventually be this thing. I'll have somebody write it for you. You know, whatever it is. So we're very intentional about that. We also pay really well on an hourly basis, but then that's challenging, right? Because at those high rates for certain subject matter experts, if you times that by 40, that person would be prohibitively expensive for our clients. Because at the end of the day, like um, a guy I used to work with, who's was a FEMA administrator, James Lee Witt, he said, you know, we're doing well by doing good. And I love that attitude. But at the end of the day, like we feel that our customers' work is so critical. You know, helping them respond better during emergencies is so critical. We want it to still be accessible to small utilities, to larger ones, to organizations that want to feel more prepared. It shouldn't ever be cost prohibitive. And so, while we are absolutely not the cheapest game in town, we pay our people really well, but there's a balance there, right, with my natural, like, let's get our whole team together once a week, or, you know, like, I want to just fly everybody in once a month or whatever. Um, you know, there's a hard balance there, because at the end of the day, we're not in the 30 year employee kind of environment. Yeah, anymore. Absolutely.
1: Um, I've had a very similar conversations with a lot of people who have been building out teams of contractors for very strategic reasons just like you um but who also have those same tendencies to think through like all right how can i uh, you know how can i uh, help these people get better at what they do and how can i give back to them more and it's like all right well there's you know there's a balance that you have to have there and there's a slightly different approach mm-hmm. um and so I, I really love that you pointed that out um as we start to wrap up here i'm i'm wondering if you have experienced any sort of surprising benefits of having a team that also shares this nomadic lifestyle with you that um, trades mm-hmm. on flexibility. I mean, it sounds like you have such a strategic approach to this, but I have to think that at some point something has surprised you or something has like unexpectedly delighted you along the way.
0: Yeah, it's just the wonderful people, honestly. Like yeah, you kind of think like you're the only ones out here being crazy and doing this, but the number of young professionals I've met in the utility space, even, or the energy sector is shocking. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's kind of amazing. It's like, you'd think uh, you just have these preconceived ideas that like everybody who's a ladder climber is over there climbing the ladder. And when in reality, a lot of people have very similar, you know, fun goals, like everybody wants to have a little fun. And I mean, we also are working with several people who just retired out of the utilities. They're in their fifties. I mean, they have so much career left and they have so much experience and they have just amazing skill sets and perspectives to offer. And they also are like, I'm not ready to retire, but no, do I want to punch the clock all the time the same way? So we actually have a really diverse group of people we work with. And it's so fun because I honestly, I was probably just stereotyping myself <laughs> with like who are all these people you know working from the road or um, doing independent contracting or whatnot? And there's just so many incredibly talented, very ambitious, very high skilled people that we get to work with like that's a it's a wonderful um, wonderful thing. like coming from a fortune 500, it was it was hard, you know, finding the right talent. I actually feel like I have a better ability to find and work with more high caliber people on a daily basis. It's just because they're so it's so much easier to bring them into the idea of the company that we're That's running. Incredible,
1: Kate Lisi, thank you so much for this conversation and just for sharing so much about the behind the scenes of how you've made this company work and how you've made this team work while living from the road.
0: Yeah, thank you. This has been really fun.
1: Find out more about Kate Lisi at kineticsconsultingllc.com and follow her adventures on Instagram at, at professional wanderers. If you value the deep dives we do with small business owners like you here on What Works, we would really appreciate if you left the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash review. It'll take you right there and you'll make my day. This episode was produced by Sean McMullen. It was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 200 candid conversations with small business owners like Kate at explorewhatworks.com.